This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, May 6, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Does a young person have the right to broadcast pointed complaints about school to her friends using social media? And can a school punish her for it? And what's the standard for deciding when a school can or can't? Cato's Thomas Berry argues that in this case, now before the U.S. Supreme Court, the young woman will likely prevail. But for future cases, we should understand precisely why. So uh, this is a case about uh, a minor. So she's just known by her initials in the case caption, BL. And essentially, she was a rising sophomore at a Pennsylvania public school, and she had a lot of frustrations going on in her life. The main one was she had failed to make the varsity cheerleading squad. Um, She also had a private softball team that she was uh, not getting a lot of playing time on and exams were coming up. So she was out with a friend. uh, She was feeling stressed and she pulled out her phone and opened Snapchat, which for uh, members of the audience who aren't as tech savvy, it's kind of like Facebook, but more ephemeral. Uh, You send photos or captions to your Snapchat friends, but it disappears after 24 hours unless someone takes a screenshot. So she takes a selfie of herself flipping the bird to the camera, and uh, the polite version of what she captions it with is uh, F cheer, F softball, F school, F everything. And that goes out to her friends. Normally, that would have just been the end of the matter. They might have opened it and chuckled. Um, Someone took a screenshot of it, and it eventually made its way to one of her cheerleading coaches at this public school. And the coaches were not happy about uh, this message and her uh, frustration with the squad. And she was banned for the year from the junior varsity uh, cheerleading squad, one level down from the squad she had hoped to make. So essentially no cheerleading whatsoever for a full year. Um, She was not happy with this, obviously, and her parents sued the school under the First Amendment, saying that you can't punish someone for speech that didn't occur on public school grounds. And she won at the district court and uh, court of appeals level. The school appealed to the Supreme Court, which granted the case, um, and that's the position the case is in now. The Supreme Court is deciding whether off-campus or out-of-school environment, however you want to describe it, speech, like an online post, uh, whether that can be punished by a public school. What do we know about this kind of question going into this argument? How has the court dealt with questions like this before? The Supreme Court has never had an off-campus speech case before, which is why this is uh, getting a lot of attention. Lower courts of appeals have struggled with it quite a bit. They've essentially realized that a broad rule would be extremely speech restrictive for students. Um, Several court of appeals noted, for example, that if you just applied the same doctrine that currently applies to on-campus speech, which is known as a case called Tinker versus Des Moines from 1969, you'd be able to ban quite a lot of speech because Tinker just says you can punish it if it has a substantial likelihood of causing disruption at school. Um, So, for example, one court of appeals opinion noted that If someone wrote a Facebook post on politics and his co-students didn't like that and started talking about it during algebra class, you under Tinker, if Tinker applied to off-campus speech, you could punish that or force the student to take it down. And that's uh, just really troubling to most judges, the notion of 24-7 monitoring of, of student speech and their social media lives. So most courts of appeals have tried to find some sort of rule or some sort of line that doesn't allow schools to punish that but allows schools to punish um, harassment or threats, uh, actual concrete threats to a school or potential threats. Um, And in the oral argument at the Supreme Court, I think the justices similarly struggled with whether some sort of doctrine can be developed that draws that line. 
Yeah, it would be odd to think that speech that you made off campus uh, during your free time that then could be communicated uh, fairly broadly, like on Snapchat or Twitter or something else, uh, that you could then be punished uh, for that speech based on the reaction of your classmates to it on campus. That's right. And First Amendment doctrine even has a term for that. They call it the heckler's veto, which is the notion that the reaction of uh, the audience, uh, if they raise enough of a, of a hullabaloo about it, can essentially make the speaker no longer have the right to talk to them or to talk to anyone else who may be a willing listener. And really, the, justif- the narrow justification for that Tinker case I mentioned is that students in school are a captive audience. So they're, for- they're all forced to be together in math class. And there you can understand if a student st- stands up and gives a political speech in the middle of math class, that's stopping the other students with their right to be taught. You don't have the same justification for a student giving a political speech off campus or expressing their views about any matter of public concern on Twitter, Facebook, what have you. Uh, yeah, one of the uh, the corollaries of the right to speak freely is that other people have a right to listen. And that seems to be at least tangentially uh, an issue here. Absolutely. And the school speech cases have always been very narrowly construed. In fact, there was uh, there have been other cases about obscenity or about pro-drug speech. And in both of those, the Supreme Court explicitly said if this speech had been made off campus, it wouldn't be punishable because students are presumed to have the same First Amendment rights as any normal member of the population. So really, um, concerns about line drawing, I, I don't think they make have a lot of leeway here because courts have already successfully drawn that line for other doctrines. What what this public school is asking here is for Tinker, the disruption standard, to be the only one that applies 24-7 and would essentially stop, potentially stop people from having an audience anywhere. And this, uh, you know, just reading the the quick rundown of the facts of this case, I thought, well, this is a this is a slam dunk, uh, and you seem inclined to agree, but uh, the reasoning that the court may adopt in this case uh, is the relevant thing, not whether or not this young lady is going to prevail. That's that's exactly right. So the Court of Appeals approach was to leave a fair amount un, undecided, um, which is often court's approach in, in these developing areas of the law. So the Court of Appeals said, Tinker does not apply off campus. In a future case that deals with harassment or bullying or threats of violence, we'll deal with that when we get to it. In other words, we'll we'll uh, spell out a doctrine of where we draw the line once we get to something closer to that line. I think the key question is, is the Supreme Court going to take a similar approach and simply write a shorter decision that says Tinker does not apply off campus? We leave it to lower courts to decide if a new, narrower doctrine than Tinker does apply off campus, or will the Supreme Court itself try to draw that line and and uh, give clearer guidance to courts of appeals um, going forward? I think this would be a tough case to do that just because this particular speech, as school speech goes, was so innocuous. It, it pretty clearly was not bullying. It was not. She did not mean to send it to any of her cheer coaches or teachers or really offend anyone. It was sent to only her classmates, her Snapchat friends, who were probably generally sympathetic uh, to her frustrations. I think the one justice who's likely to rule against the student is actually Justice Clarence Thomas, who's expressed an originalist point of view in the past, that if you go back to the time of the founding, uh, school public schools essentially had complete 
power over school children. School children did not have First Amendment rights, but that's very much a minority view on the court. I think the other eight justices are all going to be inclined to rule for the student. It's In this case, it's just a matter of how far they'll go. Thomas Berry is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.